Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. All groups of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome listeners. This is another Asia Pacific Currents here on Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm Pierre Morrow and it's fantastic uh, to be with you as usual, isn't it, Giselle? Another sparkling day in in Melbourne and, Mm -hmm. of course, 3CR Radio. They've got their money that they wanted, which is fantastic. And so so thanks to everyone for uh, pitching in. Yep. And, of course, it's brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links. Yes. Giselle, you I will. Details. I'll tell those details. But I do want to say we are still broadcasting from our homes. And I am coming to you from lockdown Brunswick West. So even, yes, I mean, we would have broadcast from our homes because that's the mode that we're in. But I'm not even allowed to leave my front door. But for four reasons. Four reasons I'm allowed to leave. That's right. That's right, Giselle. So um, I'm glad that I'm just looking at you through a screen. I feel <laughs> yeah. safe now. But is it, um, uh, returning to the details of um, Australia Asia Worker Links, who brings you Asia Pacific Currents every Saturday morning on Community Radio 3CR. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web at all the w's.aawl.org.au. We're also on Twitter and Facebook, so find us on those social media platforms. Um, and we are working on an upgrade to our website, so hopefully it will be more meaningful to you uh, when you go there in the future. I did want to announce that coming up in the second part of the show, um, I interviewed uh, Shivani Kool about the ongoing situation in India in relation to COVID and the situation in Kashmir. So the offensive of the Modi government um, against the Kashmiris, which as we know, is described as one of the most dangerous places in the world. So uh, we'll be looking at what is happening in that part of the world. But time now. For the news, and that was just going to say that's uh, very important what's happening in India, as we have brought many stories in the past. But we now go to our uh, news stories and updates of the region. And the first one is actually um, a pretty uh, disastrous one, and it's actually a still developing story as we speak. We go to Myanmar, where on Thursday of this week, after days of heavy rainfall, a large hill of waste rock collapsed onto a temporary dam and into an adjoining valley. The tailings dump was the byproduct of jade mining in the Hapankant area of Kachin State in the north of Myanmar. Now, hundreds of people were in, the, were in the area at the time of the landslide, scavenging the soil and the tailings for any discarded jades. Initial reports now put the death toll at at least 170 workers killed with at least 60 others injured, but um, they still haven't recovered everyone, they believe. Now, Myanmar is the biggest producer in the world of jade, but its mines are poorly regulated with frequent incidents and death among its workers. In addition, due to widespread poverty, many local people scavenge around the mines for any precious rock, leading to more injuries and death. For instance, it was only five years ago that at least another 90 people were killed when a 
another landslide hit another jade mine in Kachin state. And moving now to India in Tamil Nadu, where an explosion has left many dead. A major explosion occurred last Wednesday at the NLC India Limited's thermal plant in Tamil Nadu district that killed six workers and injured another 17. The boiler exploded as the workers were in the process of resuming operations in the morning. The majority of the dead and injured workers have been identified as casual workers. Unfortunately, this was not an isolated incident, as in May there was another explosion at this plant that caused the death of another six workers. And the precariousness of their casual status will naturally mean their reluctance or inability even to form a union, get organised and um, organised around health and health and safety in their plant. That's right, that's right. Um, and um, we now go to Lebanon, that uh, while protests continue throughout Lebanon against the deteriorating economic conditions and widespread corruption, the crisis is having a terrible effect on some of Lebanon's most vulnerable workers. There has been a growing spate of foreign maids, mostly from Ethiopia, who are being abandoned by their families employing them. These women are then dumped on street corners near the country's embassies. Because of the notorious kafala system, these women are left with no money, no passport and no, or accommodation. Many have actually not even been paid for the last few months. Now, due to COVID-19, Beirut's international airport is currently closed. But for many, this would not make much difference as they will not be able to afford repatriation flights. Given that there are about 180,000 registered domestic workers in Lebanon, and I would assume many more unregistered, um, you can see that the uh, situation for them with many are homeless and destitute are becoming a huge problem. And there have been more lashings of workers in Iran. Last week, the Iraq Criminal Court sentenced 42 workers from Azar Ab Industries to one year in prison, one month of forced labour, as well as 74 lashes each. The workers at Azar Ab Industries have been fighting against the company's privatisation for a number of years. Since the company was privatised, Workers have seen significant deterioration in their job security, work benefits, and have had to endure frequent delays in payment of their wages. In October of last year, security police intervened and arrested all these workers, with some of them brutally beaten as well. While they were all released, their case continued in the courts. Workers still at Azar Ab Industries have stated that their wages have not yet been paid for May or June of this year. Iranian solidarity groups have initiated an international campaign calling on all the charges to be dropped. Quite a disturbing story, really. And uh, we now go to Cambodia, where the situation for garment workers is also very precarious. A new report produced by the Cambodian Alliance of Trade Unions, the Centre for Alliance of Labour and Human Rights, and the Cambodian League for the Promotion and Defence of Human Rights, has revealed that tens of thousands of garment workers are facing economic ruin due to mounting debts. For years, Cambodia's lack of a living, living wage have forced these um, workers to take on larger and larger debts from microfinance institutions called MFIs in order to survive. There are now over 2.5 million 
microloan borrowers in Cambodia with an average debt close to 4,000 US dollar for each person. And I think the monthly wage is about $100 per, uh, per person per month. So you can see how big those are in, in comparison to the, to the daily wage, to the monthly wage. Now with increasing work stoppages and factory suspensions caused by COVID-19, labor activists predict a human right disaster with workers resorting to selling their land or homes, eat less food, take out even more loans to repay the debts, or needing to undertake any kind of illegal activities to survive. And in Nepal, the landlocked country, that landlocked country relies on two major economic sectors, tourism and remittances from overseas workers. With the shutdowns provoked by COVID-19, there are hardly any tourists in Nepal currently, while the situation for Nepali migrant workers around the country is becoming worse by the day. Last year, remittances from migrant workers were worth over $8 billion US dollars, which was slightly more than a quarter of Nepal's gross domestic product. It's estimated that pre-crisis, more than half of Nepal's estimated 5.4 million households received money from overseas workers. This money kept them out of poverty and destitution. And of course, we deal with the corollary of that situation here in Australia, where those Nepali and other migrant workers languishing in Australia because um, they are no longer able to work, no longer able to return. It's a horrendous situation for uh, migrant workers the world over and the consequences for their families back home. That's right. That's right. And uh, yes, and unfortunately, we are bringing you lots of these stories um, every week and uh, sorry if sometimes it's very, very um, negative gloomy. what we say, yeah. but gloomy, but that's the unfortunate realities these days around the world. But um, we'll keep uh, also seeing where workers uh, are organising and fighting back. So that is the end of news from around the region. We're going to go do some community announcements and then we'll have our feature interview for the morning. What a show of strength we've got here today. Local issues. So I'm here at the school, kids strike for climate action. Live coverage. Join the, the spirit of this gathering here today at IMARC. Your voices. So give us a bit of a lowdown about what's happening. There's about 200 people here at the moment. Community struggles. We're now in front of the uh, Tundaminawaya Mawbohina Monument. I'd like to thank Community Radio 3CR, who for the last decade has been broadcasting here. Feed Radical Radio, your membership is vital. A few hundred people about to pass us right now. Lots of young people standing up for their future. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 8377. Melbourne's local documentary film festival is going online and nationwide from the 30th of June until the 15th of July. Canvassing an eclectic range of documentaries from South by Southwest, Slam Dance and Tribeca to Music, video games and true crime, with over 55% locally made in Melbourne and across Australia. 
Check it out at www.mdff.org.au. Prices start from $8 a stream. Melbourne Documentary Film Festival is a 3CR supporter. and not understanding why people aren't seeing the fact that prisons are an integral part of a public health response to a pandemic. Like you, I'm really concerned about whether the data is being released very honestly about illnesses within prison. I have suspicions it's not, but really we need very strong leadership in this country that actually cares about people inside, our most vulnerable populations inside. That's what we need and that's not what we're getting right now. 3CR, your station in struggle and solidarity. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au. Listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM. And you're listening to Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle and Pierre in this in our homes broadcasting Asia Pacific Currents for another Saturday morning. Earlier in the week I had an opportunity to speak with Shivani Kool. Uh, from a revolutionary workers' organization in India based in Mumbai. Sorry, based in New Delhi, actually. Um, and we spoke about the impact of COVID-19 on workers, particularly migrant workers. But also we looked a little bit at the um, Modi offensive against Kashmir and the heightened military tensions on that border. Right now we have like uh, close to half a million cases of corona. And uh, more than... Uh, uh, 13,000 people have lost their lives and government has totally floundered on actually, you know, getting this pandemic under control because the kind of lockdown that they implemented, it, it did not help. And then before lockdown, the kind of preparation that needed to be done, they did not do that uh, amidst the lockdown what needed to be done they did not do that and then they all of a sudden uh, decided to lift it not exactly all of a sudden but then because there has been tremendous pressure from the corporates from the capitalist lobby that we need to get the production going we can't you know uh, for time immemorial be in lockdown and then uh, suddenly they started uh, you know uh, uh, they just started um, uh, commencing the production so in most of the factories and industries uh, production is in full swing and one of the reasons th that India is facing such a big onslaught of this uh, virus and this pandemic is that uh, most of the workers they are totally vulnerable and they are working uh, in factories and workshops um, in, in establishments and then they are coming back to their places which again are slums 
where no social distancing can be maintained and uh, uh, it's not actually coming through media reports but i believe that this is totally suppression of data by the indian government and by the state government that we have like close to uh, 4 lakh 25000 cases but i believe it's way too higher and they are trying to suppress the data also pertaining to the death numbers they are not reporting it correctly because what the government hospitals are saying and what the respective governments are saying they totally different things the data doesn't match yeah that's the situation currently and uh, i think uh, as far as india is concerned uh, things are pretty bad and compared to us compared to brazil compared to other uh, latin american countries now uh, we are facing the similar situation let and me ask i want to ask you a question because you talked about um one of the things that is rapidly increasing the spread of coronavirus is that production has recommenced so the workers are going into the factories and then returning to their slums where social distancing is not possible at all is there a marked difference between how the middle classes are able to socially distance and avoid um the rapid spread of covid-19 versus um the working classes and the underclasses or is it spreading in equal volume across all classes uh i think there is a stark difference but i believe that only the cases of maybe from middle classes or upper classes get reflected in the news and what is happening in the working class neighborhoods it's not finding space in the media reports also but i believe there is a huge class divide as far as uh, you know uh, the response of government is also concerned uh, because in middle class neighborhoods in uh, you know middle class colonies upper middle class neighborhoods social distancing is or physical distancing that would be more correct word to use it's possible it's it's totally implementable but uh, that's why i said that what government could have done was that before uh, it implemented the lockdown or at the time the first case of covid-19 came uh, in india which was way back Uh, on 30th of january so we had our first case on 30th of january but our government till uh, mid march and as late as 19th march was saying that there is no community transmission and it's not an health emergency that's what their official position was and then they went into all sorts of gimmickry like you know uh, just bang the utensils standing on your balconies and cheer the uh, frontline health workers you know just light some lamps and some candles and show your solidarity to those fighting for you uh, you know against uh, this pandemic and this sort of gimmickry is a, a old uh, you know trick of the trade of the fascist modi government so they went into doing all this and when the lockdown was implemented modi government had no idea what to do with it so they thought that okay fine the european countries have done it uh, everybody else is doing it let's do it but they did not have uh, you know any idea that during this period you need to ramp up your uh, health 
infrastructure you need to do contract tracing you need to do mass testing you need to go into quarantining and treatment of the infected none of this was done and they did not pay any heed to what you know epidemiologists and what scientists or what experts were saying and uh, uh, when this lockdown thing was happening there was a huge migrant crisis because factories that time had closed down and there was a massive exodus of workers reverse migration back to villages back to their towns which happened and then uh, it was for anybody to guess that now the virus will be spread to even those remote areas uh, where maybe if things were put into place at the correct time uh, we could have actually prevented it i want to talk about the economic crisis which in uh, my assessment anyway was catalyzed by the health pandemic but not caused by it i think the economic crisis was underway already and one of the ways we know that capital resolves an economic crisis is war it's not the only way but it's one of the ways that it resolves the economic crisis so given that i want to talk about the hostilities on the india china border i wonder what you can tell us about this i totally agree what uh, you just pointed out i totally agree because right now all the governments throughout the world and especially our government is trying to portray covid-19 as the you know originator of this economic crisis whereas we know that the economic crisis was was there all along in a very ferocious form and uh, uh, as far as india was concerned uh, it has got tremendous repercussions before covid-19 pandemic started in terms that unemployment rate was all time high there were massive job cuts and uh, government was trying to bail out uh, many capitalists but even as far as those uh, small capitalists were concerned the small capital was concerned uh, it was not able to do that but now with this pandemic coming they found an opportunity to put all the blame on covid-19 that as if you know everything was great and everything was going in their favor or economy was booming everybody knows that that was not the case and now because uh, the pandemic has worsened this crisis it has deepened it uh, i i know for sure that modi government as uh, is at its wits end it it actually doesn't know what to do with it because uh, even if they have you know um, announced a massive package for corporate houses for big capitalists and all sort of uh, small and medium enterprises also but even they know that uh, in long run this cannot resolve the problem so one of the reasons that this current china india uh, you know standoff happened and it's not actually a standoff there has been intrusion and uh, all sorts of things happening on uh, on india china border and in ladakh which modi government is denying uh, so i believe that yes uh, and we should be prepared that both these governments uh, even chinese government which is on uh, on the other hand itself is facing the second wave of covid-19 uh, crisis and uh, they need a way out 
so uh, a small uh, scale war cannot be ruled out maybe it won't happen uh, in immediate future but yes because china has got its expansionist ambitions india also has got its expansionist ambitions not i believe uh, to the scale compared to china but it has got its own so i believe that this uh, might lead to some small skirmishes like happened this time and it can also result in some bigger tussle and uh, i believe that uh, future holds the answer but yes uh, i totally agree that this sort of thing happening right now when we are actually as an economy in a pretty bad shape uh, we are actually as far as health parameters is concerned as far as social parameters is concerned we are totally messed up and then you know you have this thing happening so it tells a lot about uh, what what all these bourgeois governments are capable of well another area of hostilities for india is kashmir can you tell us what is happening there kashmir uh, the rest of india ha- had been in a lockdown since 25th of march but kashmir has been in a lockdown since last year 5th of august so um, right now uh, you know uh, after this pandemic happened even kashmir is in a very bad state because there are many cases of covid-19 coming to the forefront in kashmir and uh, because of that also there has been a, a lot of agony happening and then uh, when uh, you know a modi government trying to implement all its uh, previous policies uh, it actually put many journalists there many photojournalists who were reporting throughout this period on the excesses uh, on the violence being perpetrated by uh, indian state uh, they have been again booked for very uh, frivolous charges uh, as uh, worse as uapa which is unlawful uh, you know activities act in which government on suspicion can put uh, an individual behind bars and can uh, classify him or her as a terrorist and many journalists have been uh, put uh, in prisons on these charges so uh, kashmir is i believe that situation uh, last time when we talked uh, it's same as that but now because this pandemic has also worsened uh the scenario and because internet is not there because uh, the sort of access that you know mainland india has uh, people there don't have to information also that is also playing a big part in uh, how to tackle this current situation so uh, i think uh, modi government in that sense is actually extending extending its Uh, previous policy of dismantling the entire uh, uh, you know kashmiri resistance uh, movement and also in that sense uh, doing everything in its power to curb all civil liberties all democratic rights there
And that was Shivani Kool speaking about the COVID-19 in Kashmiri situation in India. And Pierre, that does bring us to the end of another Asia-Pacific Currents. We are, we are recording this on a Friday, broadcasting it on a Saturday. Thank you so much, dear listener, for continuing to support us, our, um, this show, but also the station. So Pierre mentioned right at the start of the show that 3CR did make its reduced target this year, reduced target because of COVID-19, and we know that you're all doing it tough, but you all still valiantly supported us this year, so thank you. Thank you very much. That's right. So it's all from us. Um, my name's Pierre Morrow. And I'm Giselle Hannah.